Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 195 is recorded live March 27th, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from where I think we may have killed winter, at least I'm hoping. Joining me this week, we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing pretty good, and if you want to kill winter, I am more than willing to abide by that decision. <laughs> Summarily executed, I believe, would be the term I'd like to use with, with uh, winter. Well, I will not vote against you in a court of law if you come up to trial. (laughs) Also somebody who has probably seen enough of winter, we have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? You lie to whatever you want, and I'll swear to it. (laughs) Glad you guys got my back. Oh, wow. This is unbelievable. And it seems like that's what we always talk about is the weather, but uh, it's been a, a winter. We had some nice weather, and I thought we had winter all put to bed, and then I wake up Monday morning and we have snow again. Here we are almost at the end of March and and winter hasn't really stopped. I still have snow in my backyard. (laughs) Not a lot, but everything is not brown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, I just don't even know what to to think. I don't ever remember anything like this because even 77, 78, I remember my grandmother bought me some snowshoes that year because she thought I'd have a good chance of using them, and that was just before Easter. And uh, we we went into spring full-time and never looked back. But this year, it's just hanging on. But I hear we're going to have 50-degree days by the weekend. That's what I hear, and I will be glad to see them or feel them. Yes, (laughs) and we certainly are due. But that won't stop us. We're going to figure out a way to get wet. Let's go ahead and jump on into the news. Uh, This first article I I picked up off of Facebook. I don't know if you guys saw it as well. But Our Our World Underwater, which is a dive show that's been going on for 44 years in Chicago every year. And you've heard us talk about it every year in the show. Uh, If I don't make it, somebody else makes it. So it's a a nice show. It's It's one that's been around for a while. But I guess they decided after 44 years, Chicago wasn't big enough for them. Because they are expanding. They're going to add two new markets next year. One of them is going to be Phoenix, Arizona, and the other one, Dallas, Texas. Oh, I saw some said Kansas. Yeah, I put Kansas down in the in, uh, initially in the notes, but I went back and double-checked, and those are the markets, Phoenix, Arizona, and Dallas, Texas. They said, we plan to offer the same quality show we have done for 44 years. Two new shows will be smaller at first, then we hope to grow them like we did Chicago. There'll be multiple show discounts as well as a convenient way to ship from one show to another. We hope we all see you. Uh, hope you're all excited as we are. And that's from Our World Underwater. They posted that on Facebook this week. So I, I, I think that's for their vendors. So if you're a vendor, you're going to get a discount, it sounds like, for that's, the other shows. That was the impression I had is they're looking for the vendors to follow them to the three shows and have different clients at each location. Well, and I believe that's what Dima was trying to do. Dima had was strictly manufacturing, and they had voted to keep civilians out. 
you know, non-professionals out of the dive show. So they were trying to do one. I think they were they had picked a market of New Orleans. They were going to do a dive show that was going to be uh, strictly consumer-based, but they couldn't get enough uh, vendor participation. So it looks like our world underwater is going to try and uh, fill in that gap. And the strategy looks to be to give discounts to the manufacturers. One thing I do know about Chicago, and I've talked to people who have shown at events all over the world, not specifically in the dive industry, but in other industries, and they say that Chicago is the most expensive market that they are aware of to come in and display. More than New York? They said the most expensive market. They said by the time you pay everybody who needs to be paid, get your equipment there, get your booth set up. It is the most expensive show. And they said that was more than New York, more than Las Vegas, more than uh, Berlin. So, wow. Yeah. So there's something about Chicago. It, you know, I don't know if it's McCormick Place, which Our World Underwater isn't there. That's out. They they show at uh, uh, Bio O'Hare in the uh, convention center there. What am I, what Rosemont. Rosemont. That's what I'm looking for. Thanks. Uh, but yeah, hopefully this takes off. Yeah, you know, there's there's some potential because if you if they can do well at these other shows, it'll also help Chicago. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm surprised they didn't do more East Coast because I, I look at Arizona and it's like, say what? Well, well you've I got a big California. dive show in the East Coast. It's I think it's this week or next week. Yeah, or there's a couple of big week? ones, but if you're talking about name branders, our world is a biggie. Yeah, you had our world, and then uh, is it un- beneath the sea or under the sea? Is that the, the... Beneath, I believe it's beneath the sea. Yeah, yeah, or under, yeah the sea. one of the other. Yeah, that that that's one. That's a big show on the East Coast. Yeah, that that's that's probably the other big one. I think them and our world underwater are the two the two big ones. California, you know, has some some large shows. I think theirs is a little bit earlier in the year, and then you know, Florida and Vegas go back and forth on DEMA. I'd love to see DEMA open to the public. <clears throat> Actually, I'd love to go to a DEMA show. I think we may have to do that this year. I've got connections. We can either get media permits or we'll, we'll, we'll find a way, let's say that. I was, I was going to go this way this year, and at the last minute I decided I wanted to reallocate funds to other purposes but this might be the year the only bad thing about this year is it's going to be in vegas and that's a problem because of why <laughs> <laughs> well actually my wife wants to go so that what, might what, what, when is a that easier what, to sell what time what it's, time what part of the year november you're all oh, right you're talking about this coming november and yep 2014 yep that's when that's when they do they do dima then Okay. I just want it warm enough so when I go there and I go down the, the lazy river, I'm not freezing to death. I like it to be warm. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe, by the way, talking about getting somebody to back you, that you would have any difficulty getting wolves to uh, assist you in that. Yeah. yeah. I, because I've, of the publicity you would give them from the talk, the show, plus the club would talk about it and... Uh, if he doesn't go, I'd be surprised if they didn't send either. Maybe not Bob, but even. Uh, I Mr. think. I think Richard. Mr. Went, Richard. He might have gone this last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure I've got uh, quite a few resources who are going who who have promised me the ability to get in one way or the other. Yeah, you know, I may have to go in disguise, Good. you know, like a Groucho glasses or something. <laughs> Yeah, we we could all wear them, and we'd be twins and triplets. And yeah, I know Darren and Larry with mustaches. Just wear a dive a dry suit, Darren. No one would recognize. <laughs> Nobody would recognize. Me. <laughs> <laughs> or we'd all wear Darren mask or something. Yeah, 
Yeah. The one other thing in that Our World Underwater, they said there will be multiple show discounts as well as a convenient way to ship. Now, if they do them close enough together, they could just charter a semi and pack all the booths in there. Now, that could be attractive. So if you ended the show on one weekend and then the following weekend it was in Arizona and then the following that the following weekend of that it was in Texas, maybe that's what they're thinking of doing. Yeah. Well, it, look at the number of other than the tourist and the travel here. Uh-huh. You don't have that many equipment ones there. You really don't. No, you've got about three or four local-ish dive equipment shops, but the rest of them are the type of businesses that would go anywhere. You know, you've got the uh, patty you know, the Patty, uh, what they call that, Be a Diver exhibit. You know, that one can go to all of them. Uh, and there's some economy to scale. You get, to, you know, certain incentives that you can offer that you make a lot more sense and a lot more attractive when you have three shows that you can offer them to. How do we know they don't already do that at the other shows? Well, they could. They could. Difficult to get the speakers to go to all three locations. That's the only thing they'd have to... They could move the show, but it's going to be a different show at each location because of the speakers. Yeah, because we we when yeah. the speakers I was going to say when the speakers go, what kind of comps do they get there? Anything? Uh, room and I believe they get room and admission, and then they get to sell their wares. Yeah. yeah okay, so room is a big one because you got to eat anyway. So that would that would well, you still got transport too, though. You got to get from here to there. Yeah. Well, it depends. You so you have some people who come to shows who are manufacturer sponsored. So you can, you know, they, they may be speaking, but they can also be put to other purposes if they're a manufacturer's rep. Yeah. Uh, and then if you get to hawk something, you know, sell some stuff. But I agree. I don't think you're going to get somebody, uh, a general speaker who can afford to do all three shows. Well, if our world wants to sponsor us and we'll be the official voice of our world, there you go. I think they probably could convince us to go, especially on their ticket. <laughs> yeah, that, that works just about anywhere. Anybody's willing to foot yeah. the bill, we can we can be somewhere. We'll do a live show from your location, yeah. featuring your products. Yeah. As long as we can tell everybody what we really think about them. Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting for my DPV to come from the last time we were <laughs> yeah. really involved in this, mm. and I haven't seen anything yet. They, they haven't. They didn't ship one to you. You haven't seen one in your garage show up. Not not yet. And the ice is breaking, and I could hit at least hit the river. So I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, you know, don't keep me waiting too much longer. Well, maybe they're waiting for this uh, next article to happen. They have a we have a month long hunt for invasive lionfish to begin, uh, as we've talked about over the many episodes. How the lionfish invasion has begun. Uh, they said the event is scheduled to start Thursday, which would be now. So it's going on Mudville Grill in Jacksonville. They're going to go over the rules. Uh, they said that lionfish are very tasty. They produce a lighter, cleaner meat than most fish, and I think it runs them for a month. A month-long tournament. So what you do, I guess, is you hunt down the lionfish. How they? We need some more details on this. Well, oh. if you click on that link that you had in that presentation, it takes you right to Northeast Florida Lionfish Blast. And I'm glad they did because I really never noticed what they looked like stuck on the end of a spear. That's pretty good. You need to go there if you haven't. Okay, I'm, I'm going there now. Okay, because it clicks. It's really neat. It gives a real good shot of the lionfish, showing you where all the venomous pelvic spines are, the anal spines, and the dorsal spines. So it sounds like a real good thing to be wearing gloves when you, you play with. Yeah. And it has some pictures of them speared. I like that. Yeah. I had friends when I was in high school used to have these in fish tanks. 
wow, 30,000 eggs every seven days, and they're wondering why they're exploding. And I thought zebras were bad. <laughs> yeah, zebras don't come up and, oh and, and have poisonous spines. They just... No, well, I was just thinking of zebra mussels and the quaggas because they do a million, but that's a year. This is 30,000 every seven days. I hadn't done the math on that yet, but I think that's going to outstrip the quaggas and stuff. Well, you know what? Just get some and start using them for uh, caviar yeah. farm. But like they said, they can't catch them with the hook and stuff. you got to go spear the little suckers. That's interesting. Yeah, I think we just need to make a little sub-ROV that goes out and hunts them. A drone, a lionfish drone. Now that's now now you get into it. You know, like you got these vacuum cleaners. You just set them on auto, put them on your carpet, and you go around. Yeah. You put these drones out, and they home in just on lionfish. Now that's not a bad idea. Yeah. And if you had it so it it ingested them with a shredder like your paper. Yeah. So the, the stuff that comes out the back, then the other fish would eat it and go bigger. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It, it's Damn. Just, hey, stop talking about it and get the patent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say any more until the patent's filed. Video recognition? I mean, hey, this is very possible. Well, the the thing is... uh, You know what you're talking about there, Mac? That's probably a multi-million dollar government um, program, a grant to fund that. (laughs) Well, I I can buy a... I believe it's Intel... No, no, it's not Intel. It's another. It's uh, the competitor, one of the processing competitors to Intel. They've got a kit. It's about two hundred and twenty dollars, and that's currently just been released for development. And it's supposed to be for prototyping objects such as self-driving vehicles. It's an embedded system, and they're calling it a portable supercomputer with the amount of processing it can do. So that device, you put that in a little ROV, put some in. Because I was playing around with it, I wanted to. I'm I'm thinking about getting one to look at doing subsurface mapping in real time. If you imagine something that could capture topography and then map it in 3D as an ROV flies around, that's what I was looking at. But this would be this would be another good use for it. They haven't hunt down those lionfish. The only problem with the ROV one, just uh, add a little oops in there, is you're still going to have to have GPS, and if it's under the water, you ain't going to have it. No, you just have to have some fail-safe types of systems and. You know, where it pops up every so often. You, you have to have a way of charging it and getting energy, but... I've already figured that out, too. They have floating cells, mm-hmm. light cells on the top. So you've got continuous power down to a certain depth. You could even have a retractable reel that if you need to go a little down further, could go down there, but you've got oh. good power. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I like that. And way. it would also give you that link to your GPS by line. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think I agree with Jim. We better stop talking. Build one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will beat us to it if we give them any more ideas. Yeah, yeah. it'll be the next product we have next week. <laughs> well, here here's one that we we can't quite get the patent on the Viking compass, and I didn't realize this, but they it was a a disc that was found in 1948, and it was made of wood. Uniquak disc, talk U U N A R T O Q disc. It was found in Greenland in 1948. Uh, they think it was 11th century. They originally argued it was a decorative object, but other researchers decided the disc was an important navigation tool that the Vikings used from their trek to Norway, from Norway to Greenland. Uh, in the center of the disc, there would be a little rod coming up, and they thought they used it with a couple crystals to angle the light to be able to measure it. Not quite GPS. 
No, but it shows you that there were some highly intelligent people back in those days, probably more so than we have now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because they did it. With, they did it without computers. Yeah, yeah. Give them a piece. Of, give them a knife and a piece of wood, and damn, yeah, they'll, they'll chisel a compass. And speaking of, of things sinking underwater, we have Cyprus is trying to become a destination for scuba divers. Uh, they're planning to have the first Zenobi Week erect diving promotion that will be held from June 23rd to June 30th. The special week is to the latest in a series of measures to promote diving in Cyprus. In December, the first artificial reef was created when they sank the 57-year-old Nemesis, which was uh, scuppered off the coast of Protarius. Three other vessels have also been sunk, including a Soviet fishing trawler, a German, a 1950 German vessel, and a pre-World War II cruiser. And they've they're all sunk in slightly different locations. They said the new reefs have the same characteristics as natural reefs and act as nursery grounds for providing space for reproduction, growth, feeding, and refuge for marine organisms. Not too bad. Yep, you know, I I think I think Iran though took a look at this and gave them another idea. What was that? You di- you didn't see that? They were threatening to to sink one of our ships again out there, and then uh, we said, that, "Well, that's a pretty good idea because if you do, you can then your next big enterprise you can have is a scuba diving resort because your freaking navy is going to be sunk from the whole coastline over. So we'd have <laughs> hundreds of ships to dive. Yeah, we get a bunch of them. Well, did you yeah. see? Did you see that? That Iran, I think it was Iran, is building a mock-up of a U.S. aircraft carrier. So it's about okay. it's about two-thirds scale, and they said it won't be functional. Iran's not admitting to it, but this is from photos that have been taken. Nobody knows quite what the purpose is, but they believe it's to be used in a stunt. The Iranians are going to sink it for local propaganda. And film it saying they did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they got to keep their people all snookered. Well, you've seen that one Chinese carrier, right? It's basically landlocked. No, I, I didn't see that one. It, it's quite interesting, and they do have they've they've been practicing their carrier landings and stuff, uh-huh. and uh, it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, well, they've got they had like two carriers, I think, that were old uh, Soviet carriers, or uh, well, Australian actually. They they got they had four of them. They got uh, the Melbourne, and then they got the Minsk, the Kev, and the Var- Varga. Uh-huh. I believe there's four of them, and uh, they actually do, in fact, practice air carrier landings and stuff. And they will get their 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 major one out there in in some period of time. It'll be it'll change the dynamics of sea power in the chair. Yeah, that'll certainly change the dynamic. Did I break up and lose everybody? Yeah, you you were the Skype was stretching you out. Little little bit of Cyloning, I guess, is what you would call it. Ah. And it was probably me because I had to open our next article, which is the, uh, the Google doing a Street View underwater of shipwrecks. Now, Google Street View has Love added Mohawk. the USS Mohawk. A lot of fish. Yes, it, was, it looked like it was fairly clear day. You know, not super. It looks like it's looks like it's really nice flush on the bottom, right, too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, sitting pretty good. I'm surprised the doors are still on it. Even though the bottom one looks like it may be welded against the hull, the one above it's open. That'd still be quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they welded them in certain positions just to create something. I don't know. We need something like that around here. Yeah, the, it looks like Google was in partnership of the Catalina Seaview Survey, which uh, also documented the Mary Celeste wreck. 
Wow. I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of torn on this. I, I like the idea that they have this available. Maybe it'll interest people to go diving. But then on the other hand, it's like, yeah, okay, I, I've seen it. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's totally different looking at it in a picture. And when you go down there, it adds a dimension to it. Oh. And I like it because if I see it before I go down, I know the areas I want to concentrate on. Mm-hmm. And it makes the picture meaning much more meaningful when you're done, I think. Yeah, well, I I agree with you. I like to to know what I'm diving on and uh, see as much of it as possible. But I'm just don't think that by viewing these photos, that's the same as going scuba diving. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. And then this next photo. Whenever I see anybody with the name Mustard, I keep thinking of the game Clue. But we have this in the categories of some photos of the week. Why didn't it open for me? Here we go. Doctor Alex Mustard. I wonder if he gets a lot of jokes about his name. I, I'm sure he's he's probably heard most of them. How about his website, eh, Mustard? <laughs> <laughs> and he has some nice photos. He's got the... Did we talk about him before? Because some, some of these look real familiar. Maybe we did a couple weeks ago. But he's got the... They've got one where it's like a shark floating on the surface. They've got the Iceland Rift. That is amazing. That is just a beautiful photo. I, it's one of the... That's on my bucket list. i got to find a reason to be over there anyway and then be able to get a dive in. He says, I do spend a lot of time underwater. I just got back from an untouched reef in Raj Ampat off Indonesia. Next week, I'm going to Norway. Well, when you make your living at it, you have a habit of getting more dive time in. Yeah. A beetle shot is good, too, with the uh, off-center lighting in the in the vehicle. Uh-huh. That's a pretty good perspective. That hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting shot. That is. Mm, it is. Really neat. Looks like it could be one from around here. Yeah, but that seahorse, the one before that, that's a, that's a, I mean, the shot is almost 3D. What I like about them is they're not, like, super tropical. Yeah. It's something I would see. I'm not sure I'd see a floating or swimming pig, but probably. We could. I mean, yeah. if not the mammal kind, maybe another kind. Yeah, I was just going to say, look behind the uh, the get wet sometime. <laughs> <laughs> And then what seems to be a favorite of the program, we always have some sort of underwater hotel to cover, and this next one groups them together in a bunch of photos. And as they call it, the see they say the ill-advised and unrealized renderings of underwater hotels. So some of these are mock-ups; they don't they're uh, done to sell something, and some of them actually may have been produced in some capacity. Well, the one that looks like a recompression chamber, I can believe that's real. <laughs> yeah, do, they, do they say what that one is? No, but that's 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 a real one there, because if you take a look in the, you click on that, down below it, you got the pictures of the people. That's the uh, that, Jewel's Undersea Lodge. Oh, that's... Ah. Ah. We talked about that one, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we saw this one, too, yeah, because the third one over is the same. Yeah. I'm just checking out. All right, now I like the fourth picture. Let's see, i got to count. One, two, three, <laughs> four. Oh, the, uh, the one with the... The, the traveling salesman, right? The one that looks like the traveling salesman coming in the window <coughs> for the young lady. Oh, the, the photo in that section, okay. Yes. Yeah. It looks like she's taking two of whatever you're selling. Yeah. Well, I would say these are older photos. I think these are when that was first went live in the 80s. Oh, 70s. When, when they really did it, huh? Yeah. Well, I think it's still there, but I don't think it's quite as... Uh, spiffy looking is that one yeah and yet the next one which i've seen over and over where they've got the the uh, looks like a lexan or plexiglass tube 
Well, we know that's feasible. Even if you did nothing else, to go to Disneyland and block it off, put beds in it so the people could sleep there at night, the one you can walk through. Mm-hmm. You can mm. do the same thing with that. Yeah, this one's the Conrad Maldives Rangili. Rangili? Also been known to transform its underwater dining room into a suite for two when the price is right. Glass floored room. Oh, so it's above coral. Oh, spa treatments in a glass floored room. Okay, I'm I, I'm getting it. And then they have the other one that, that I guess Dubai's got two projects that they're they're pitching. The underwater disc hotel looks like some yeah. UFOs. We've seen that one before. And then this other one, which is the anchored off the. Pemba Island in Tanzania. And that's a real one there. That last yep. shot off to the right is good. When you look at the perspective of the wide open ocean, it's like, whoa. Yeah, that'd be a nice one. Well, yeah, the night shots were, I never really thought too much, but the bat ray, do you see that one? The oh. third one in? That's pretty awesome. Put some lights out there. That would be fun. Yeah, it would be. You, would, you wouldn't get any sleep. You'd just be staring out all night. Well, the first night anyway. Yeah. Of course, how, who can... Afford to do it too often. That's fifteen hundred dollars a night, according to the article. Which one? That one? Yes. Fifteen hundred? Yeah, for the Tanzania one. Well, oh yeah. Oh wow, that's a bit salty. Yep. <laughs> Damn. That's who they say with the Jules Verne one. Was one that one? Uh, well, the the Maldives accommodations are like eight fifteen a night. Yeah, we did get to the other one down below that. It's two hundred ninety-two thousand a night. Yeah, the uh, Jules Verne Lodge was uh, six seventy-five. Then then you could do a romantic getaway package for thirteen ninety-five a night. I could see it now. Take off. I'm Tom Bodet, and we'll leave the light on for you. The takeoff <laughs> could be. I'm Jacques Cousteau, and we'll have the electric eels here for you. Yeah. Actually, it's Billy Bob Cousteau, but. Well, the one we could afford is the last one, that Chemol, Wonderland Intercontinental, 19-story, partially submerged inside a water-filled quarry. Oh, that's 325 a, a night? Yeah, 325. We can almost do that. that that's Just back a lot of guys in it. That's you don't have to figure idea. the four of us share it. Yeah. Now, do they have a quarry in mind? Well, they said they want a bed. Interesting. It's reportedly under construction, 400 rooms. Yeah, they, they ask how do the sailboats work really well at the bottom of a quarry. <laughs> they have big fans. Yeah. That would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it would. Then they have the uh, the other end, which we've seen before. That one, that, that one seems a little bit more reasonable, $500 for a single night stay. Well, you know what? There are other ways of doing this. You could just put a huge TV screen outside your window and play aquarium photos on it. You wouldn't have to have a real window, just a you know a TV screen, giant TV screen that looks like an aquarium. And they and you probably wouldn't even know it. Yeah. And if they did it good, yeah. You don't Actually, have to clean it. They, you know, we, we we could do this. We could take an old motel, put the TV screens up there. You want to have a jungle room? Boom, jungle outside your window. You want to have a space room? You know, yep. we'll just pretend you're on the uh, the space shuttle and the show you pictures of the Earth swinging by it whatever speed that thing travels at. You want to go deep space? We'll just fly stars by your window all night. <laughs> Put them on a vibrating bed, let it rock once in a while. San Francisco. Play <laughs> some ocean noises. Play some ocean noises. Well, it's good that you said space because in our first potentially cool scuba gear, which I consider space flight almost like scuba diving, we have NASA's asking you to pick... Their next spacesuit. 
Can I try it on first? Oh, come on, Internet. Three options. Okay, let's check out the three options. The thing is that they, I, I'm looking at the three options. They look pretty much the same. They, they do. It just, it's, it's, it's more fashion. Okay. I, I yeah, think it looks one like is the you same have basic suit, but just. Yeah. I thought maybe it was like one has air, the other one doesn't. <laughs> one has a way you could use the bathroom without having to take it all off. And the other one has all the combos together, so. Yeah, it's well, they they all kind of look like modified hunchbacks, Quasimoto. They said it's I'm a not note, quite sure. note to self: do not eat beans in space. Yeah, it's her Z series <laughs> spacesuit, the Z two. The agency has turned to the public for help with the suit's aesthetics, aesthetics, aesthetics. One of those things. They said some aspects and elements of the suit are being made with uh, 3D printing hardware. The three designs have only been mocked up. We'll, we'll, one will go into production following a vote. They'll be you know, used for you put, testing. Yeah. If you put that in the water, you know, so you can get the weightless atmosphere and you're trying to figure that out, I don't know how the hell you're going to weight that down. God, there's so much. That can be so buoyant. Volume. I mean, I guess you, they would have to use some sort of, uh, like, neutrally buoyant material in there yeah. just to. Well, even, but look at the volume there for the body, the head. You'd be floating head up the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious about that number one picture. It says Trends in Society. Do you see that? You see the one I'm talking about? Well, you the do. first shot of the lady. You had the three at the top, then you go down the first picture, the person with a suitcase. Yeah. yeah. That's right, not looks like a female, correct. correct? Looks like a female? Well, that's not a politically correct photo. Well, I was just curious because did you see the object in her right hand or its right hand? Yes. I'm curious about the trend in society. I don't know what that means. It's a screw gun. It's, you you got to go and... It's a drill. I'm sorry, are you sure that's a screw gun? And how do you mean screw gun? Is that like a sex toy or uh, <laughs> something different? I have no idea. I just trend to society. It looked like an armed woman with a suitcase. I was just curious about that. Yeah. I had some other comments, but I'd be keep those to myself because <laughs> they would be very bad. Very bad. I'll tell you later, but not on the air. <laughs> Oh, you can edit this, can't you? Nobody's listening. But the, ed, the thing is, don't make me edit because I probably will forget. <laughs> oh, then we're not going to talk about that. But it's 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 a it's it was a good dig, I think. Okay, well we'll we'll cover that one after the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably best. Yeah. Now uh, here's some uh, something else. You know, what is one thing that you need if you want to go dive on some nice wrecks? Money to get there. Money to get there, and how about a boat? Yeah, so we could we could just kind of all chip in and we could pick up uh, Richard Bronson's boat that he's just listed up for sale. Just a paltry $12 million for his uh, sailing catamaran. That is a swift-looking boat. Yeah. And just look at the photos in there. It's like, this is, you know, I don't the think. The Necker Bell, is that what he called it? Yeah, because isn't that his island, Necker? Yeah, Sir Richard Branson's 32-meter catamaran, the Necker Bell. Eight and a half million euros or $12.8 million. It has enough accommodations for 12 guests across four cabins, a saloon area, and the deck. I can't believe somebody hasn't picked that up just for a liveaboard. I can't. I mean, I like that submarine they got, the oh, Necker Nymph. Oh, the Necker Nymph, yeah. He, the, he, oh, man. Uh, he funded that, and that's actually, you can buy one. Those are available for sale. But, yeah, it's, it's like a little jet. That would be cool. 
Yeah, the he said the catamaran was built in 2003 and extensively refitted in Australia to Branson specifications and launched as the Necker Bell in 2009. Well, I know somebody who would captain it. I bet you do. <laughs> An experienced sailor with a captain's license. I I imagine we could twist yeah. his arm to captain yeah. that for us. Yeah. Wow. I just I just look at it and it's it's beautiful. I mean even the captain's chairs. I mean there's not a thing on that boat that isn't absolutely amazing. It's a lot of shekels. Yep. I, I figured you'd like that little sub. Oh, absolutely. But but how about this next little mini sub, the Crabster? The Crabster. Oh, like, yeah. Sounds like my nickname when I don't get enough sleep. Yeah, you could just walk right down to those wrecks. Tiptoe. Yeah. One dozen muck. Let's see. They say it weighs 1,400 pounds or 635 kilograms. The Crabster CR200, designed to scud along the seafloor like a real crustacean, uses complex mechanics to stabilize itself. I'm, I'm kind of wondering why they felt they needed to make it walk when you're in an environment that you can just so easily make neutrally buoyant. Don't know. So they're, mar- they're trying to market it as a way of fixing pipes used to carry gas and oil. So maybe that's part of it, that because it could push along the bottom, it would have the ability to uh, lift heavy objects. But looking at it, it's not that tall. Well, looking at the one down, the CR2000, that's freaking creepy looking there. I mean, that looks like a spider. Don't look like no crab to me. If I was down there and saw that, it'd freak me out. The project is being supported by the Ministry of Land, Transportation, and Marine Affairs in South Korea. It has 11 cameras on board, including an acoustic camera to see in cloudy water by using reflective sound waves to make real-time videos composed between 4 to 30 frames per second. He said that each leg has a reach of about six feet. Hmm, interesting. You scroll on down to the bottom of that, and there's a site to hook up to dive buddies. Dive buddies? Yeah, third one over. Where are you at there? How, I mean, past the last picture? Yeah, go past the last picture. Yeah. And then you've got that site to hook up with dive buddies down there. Ah, okay. okay. I don't see it yet. Let me 30 favorite dive buddies. Yep. Yep, you can. And, and they don't have buoyancy problems either. Nope. I must be looking at something different than you guys. You probably are, but we don't look at that kind of stuff on the Internet. That's not what the Internet's for. I only look at the stuff you guys send me, so whatever it is, what can I say? (laughs) And then this one caught my eye. If that's what your story is, you stick with it. (laughs) For a different reason, the Panasonic HX-A500 is looking to take some of that market that GoPro has. It's a wearable action camera capable of shooting 4K Ultra HD, and it displayed at an annual convention in Amsterdam this last week. Yeah, I sent you guys a link before the show. I think it was the last link I sent you uh-huh. that was showing some new uses for GoPro video. Is that that Facebook link? Um, no, I think I put it on the, uh, the Skype. Okay. Yeah, my, Let me my... grab it send it to you again. It's one of those photos in there showed a... Interesting new way to use a GoPro. Okay. Let me grab it and I'll send it to you again. But this... What's, your, what's the advantage of having that remote what a, uh, on a cable? Well, I think what it does is it just makes it a little bit smaller so you can fit it. I mean, not that the GoPro is that big, but now you've just got a cylinder the size of the lens. If you look at that, it's about the size of your pinky. Yeah, I wish I had something relative to it for size. 
Yeah. Well, if you watch the video of it, they show some, like, like say you're working on your card and you want to get, see what something is behind something else. You just point that in. It's, I mean, it's, you know, take a look at your thumb. Your thumb is bigger diameter than what that camera is. Where'd you say the video was? Uh, I think I had it on this link. Well, maybe it's not on here. I had uh, another article on this okay. where they had a video link and I actually uh-huh. watched the video and they, in a, it was about a three or four minute video shot and they showed it all the different uses for it. They had a guy put it on a surfboard. They had somebody on his dive gear. Okay. Somebody was working on their car. And the thing about it is you could look at the screen and then because you have the cable, you could move the, move the camera around so you can keep an eye on it. So you could kind of do the same thing even underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's one thing with the GoPros. You have a hard time seeing what it is that you're, you're actually taking a photo with. Okay, I got some good pictures now. Yeah. Now the uh, the one thing that I don't like about this, and I need to look <laughs> more at some of those GoPro images, is I don't like the fisheye effect that you get with some of these action cams. Well, I'm going to check this one image out that I just sent you guys and see if it's got a fisheye effect. Uh, do you oh, send it one to us on Skype? Yeah, it's that Skype? one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Third photo, second photo over, third photo down. Yeah, I, I think some of these you can actually, you could poke an eye out. All right, where'd you send the picture? Uh, the, I don't see it on Skype. Skype. Okay, let's see. I don't see it. Is that where you put the link? Yeah, I just sent it to on Skype. Yeah, here, here you go, man. All right, I don't see it. I still haven't seen it. I mean, I sent two guys, one on China, but I don't. I hadn't seen since. I keep hearing somebody send something, but it's not here. It, it's going. You just got to look around. You may have to scroll down. I just gotta scroll down on your Skype. Well, I'm trying. It doesn't seem to be doing a damn thing. Whoa! No, that's a different thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it eventually. We'll just keep sending it to you. Type like a message. Sonar, you go, type a you message go, on Skype, Mac. You, you go look for it. Okay, I'm at a different. I um, I was on a different Skype thing. But it would be a soft poke. Yeah, and it, it if you look at the the second photo in the third one down. It's showing a new use for the camera. Must be for all you people with faster internet connections than I've got. Is that, the, is that the one that's half underwater? No, no. They're using it in the office. The secretary's demonstrating it. But that half underwater one could be done with a GoPro. Let's see if we can check that out. Anyhow, back to the show. Yep. Off the, the squirrel tangent. Of course, Mac disappeared, so we don't hear him anymore. But that does it for Scuba in the News. Oh. But we've got some news that was scuba-related, but hit the local news. Which was that? And that was the salvage of the Wilhelm Balm. Yes, yes, that did happen. So, was it last Friday? Was that when we did it? Uh, yeah, Friday. See. It was Thursday, Thursday I dove it. We talked about it in last week's show. Yeah, you dove it on Thursday. On and then, Thursday. And then yep. Friday, you came out and assisted with getting the, yeah, the Wilhelm bomb. For those of you who missed last week's show, shame on you, you got to catch up. But there was a tugboat, 91-year-old tugboat, uh, that sank at the dock. And they were trying to salvage it. It was totally underwater, except for the mast. They were trying to salvage it, so they brought a salvage barge in with a crane on it and tried to pick it up and had limited success. They could get it out of the muck, but they couldn't really bring it above the water line. So they asked for some divers to help. And I dove it on Thursday, did some inspection and helped where I could. And then Friday, 
Darren and I both dove on it, and we were able to get some slings underneath the stern of it. And they were then able to, using the slings, lift the stern up uh, with one sling and then used another sling to suspend it on a pair of barges to support the stern. Then they went back on Saturday and lifted the bow section up, um, put that on a, suspended that off the edge of a barge. So we had two barges on the front end, the ship in the middle, and then two barges on the back end, uh, suspending the boat. They then started up river, river with it and hit a sandbar. Oh, really? Yeah. So I went back out on Saturday after they'd hit the sandbar and did a full inspection of the hull, uh, patched, or we didn't patch, but we plugged a couple through-hull fittings that might have been leaking and taking on water, and they restarted repumping it Saturday. Um, while I was diving, they were pumping, and I was inspecting the hull with a, like a flag, actually had a, a small, thin piece of uh, material, like plastic, that I was floating against the hull, and we were looking for any place where the suction would pull this up against the hull so we knew we had a crack or a break in the hull there and didn't really find anything but uh, we plugged a couple through hull fittings and with the lifting capability we had they were able to get some of the portholes that were the portholes were all intact but they were leaking around the edges and it was just a combination of a lot of small areas letting you know a little bit of water in that Thursday they couldn't keep up with but once they had the boat lifted a little higher out of the water it reduced the amount of water coming in, and Saturday they were actually able to refloat the boat. They disconnected it from the barges and took it up the river, um, towed it up the river with uh, just a little push tug, push boat, and were able to get it in the slings, pick it up, and it's now safely sitting in a pair of slings uh, on the ground. So they got all the water out of it, and refloated it, and they were getting ready to pump out the tanks and start uh, doing their repairs or whatever they could to start salvaging the machinery. One of the big concerns was trying to make sure they hadn't gotten water inside the engine uh, in the piston area, so they were checking that. But uh, even after being down for six weeks, they still had 180 pounds of pressure in the air system. Nice. So definitely want to thank Darren for his help diving that with me and backing me up and uh it's the first time I've ever been involved in a sinking salvage yeah it was it was fun and we've, and we've we've recovered some snowmobiles and things like that and some cars cars through the ice and snowmobiles through the ice but it's the first time ever really refloated a sunken boat and it was quite a process to see i i think most everybody on there was was volunteers trying to help them out yeah and uh you know like like when I went in the water, and I have to say, it was cold. <laughs> there were blocks or chunks of ice floating down the river around us. Yeah, flo- floating ice is for drinks, <laughs> not for <laughs> not for your river dive. And visibility was literally six to seven inches. Yep. Uh, uh, you- one time Saturday, I came up, and I had to push a big block of ice out of my way so I could stand there and keep the ice from banging into my head as I was trying to talk to the crew. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, and the bottom was. I was kind of surprised. I didn't think the the bottom was pretty firm. Yeah, 
Uh, because in, in it, I don't know what was the what was the depth there? Maybe ten feet? About, about ten feet max. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have some pictures that we'll post up, but the, with it on the bottom. But the only thing that was left out was a stack, and the, they had a couple masts where they had lights and electronics on. But it's really hard to get a, a visual idea of what that boat was underwater because I, when I went down, uh, you had me run a strap through by the the propeller, and I was able to get that done pretty quick. And then I did a hull inspection on the port side, you know, using the back of my hand to uh, to probe around and and see if there's anything damaged. But I didn't see anything. It was mostly if. But the only thing I could feel is probably some existing repairs that had been welded on there. Yeah, well, there were some plates that had been reinforced. Uh, all the way along the hull that showed up later. You know, it made a lot more sense after we got it out and started looking at it. But uh, it was really interesting to to you know, use your experience of limited visibility diving mm-hmm. uh, to just feel your way back and forth across that hull and find, okay, this is a round, you know, a, a plate that would screw off, an 8-inch plastic plate that would screw off to re- let you reach in and get to a valve or something, and yep, that's still in place. And come along and find a piece of pipe and say, okay, all right, this is the vent line for the fuel tank, and I need to put a plastic bag over this and tie some line around it to seal that vent line so as we move the boat, you know, it doesn't suck air in or let diesel out. So oh, it was, you know, feel along and find a, you know, a, a, a companion way. So yeah, it was it was good to see the the boat come out. Excellent opportunity to get in and, and get wet. And uh, did, have they made a decision on what they're going to do with the vessel? Is you said they're trying to make sure that the engine was good. Is there a chance it could be floated as a boat again? Um, it's very possible because it appeared that there were no real breaches in the hull, and it may have just been something as simple as a through hull fitting that cracked in the ice or broke in the ice and allowed it to flood. So I hope to get back up there Saturday and get over and talk to the owners and see what they found so far. Mm-hmm. But it was in all our local papers and local TV stations, and it's a ship's been around for a long time. They were saying that it had been involved in the rescue of their estimating. You still there, Jim? Jim, we, we heard you, and you said that it had been in the rescue of over, and then... Yeah, I'm sorry, my internet connection's going. Uh, they're estimating that it had... <laughs> Being called out for special special assistance, etc. It, it it killed you in the exact same spot again. One thousand five hundred. One thousand five hundred. One thousand five hundred people is the estimate over a thirty year history wow. of a Coast Guard rescue boat or an auxiliary rescue boat. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, quite a historical piece of. Well, glad that it is it's able to be brought up and looked at. Now, Mac, I I, I hear you got up in the air again. Yeah, we got up a couple of times this week and still checking out. And on the website on Facebook for the club, there is a picture of the uh, the tug in its cradle there up there in South Haven. So when we went up that way looking at the ice, we took a picture of the boat from the air. Yeah, and I, I love the video that you had. It's amazing. That must be a really good engine, only doing like uh, two rotations a second. Did you happen to notice that? Uh, we lost him again. I'll have to uh, move a couple of the photos I took and post them on the club website so people can see them. I had them posted in other places, but I mm-hmm. I can bring them over now. Yeah. Also, if you, uh, they're your photos. You there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, 
Yeah, we can we can also add them to the post if we need to. Okay, so people can see them. And I also hear rumors that there's talks of a dive potential coming up here in the weekend. Well, Sunday looks like the best day. They're going to be working on Bob's boat on Saturday, and I've got to be up at the museum Saturday. But Sunday looks like we could. Uh, I think Bob decided he didn't get much response, so he was going to pull out. But I'm game to get wet. There is some open water around some of the uh, piers in Pawpaw Lake. So we might even, you know, be able to get in and do a little uh, open water to open water under the ice dive. Hmm, that's 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 interesting. Something that we'll have to to consider when I when the weekend plans solidify. But yeah, I guess Bob is uh, doing some boat construction on his uh, Zodiac, taking out the center console and then putting in. He's got a new, more upright console that will be set off to the side with a lean-to chair. Mm-hmm. So that'll be nice. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Do we anybody have anything to plug? I don't have anything today, unusually. Okay. But at least this week. At least nothing this week. And have some web addresses for people to go to to see some new things. So uh, So you you said you had two weeks? Was that what you were saying, Jim? Yeah, next week. Next week. Okay. Okay, let's see. I think we're to that time of the show, aren't we? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, uh, I I don't know if it's something to look forward to. This one is, I don't even know if it qualifies, and I apologize in advance. Cover your, your kids' ears, because it doesn't even really seem appropriate. But this one's for all those men who say, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Well, they said there's an update. Nowadays, 80% of women are against marriage. And the reason cited is because women realize it's not worth buying the entire pig when they just get a little sausage. Sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. I was going to say it was just as quiet the second time. <laughs> <laughs> pig sausage. Yeah. That's about the third comment about pigs tonight. (laughs) It's a trend. So on that note, until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And enjoy the sausage.